Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to leave a note right at the top. This was recorded prior to news coming out about Nikola Jokic entering health and safety protocols. So if you're wondering why when Mike Singer and I engage into a long Nikola Jokic discussion that we never once mentioned that, now you have your answer. Welcome to the Nuggets Inc. podcast presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and Rockies games anywhere via their phone, tablets, or laptops. They also have new interactive features with their games with live-time stats, real-time data. you got to check it out. we got a good podcast coming up ahead. Mike Singer takes your questions off of Twitter. We talk about a three-in-one road trip. They lost to the Celtics, but they beat that butt on a couple of other games. Nikola Jokic, more shots, we debate. All that coming up next. And we're back for another Nuggets, Inc. podcast in my living room here in the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. It's snowy. Mike's wearing flannel. My dog's in a cage. The Nuggets just three and one on the road. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I survived the road. Four games, eight days, four cities. I don't know how many time zones. Um, not a lot of sleep, but a hell of a road trip, to quote our guy, Michael Malone, to go three and one against those teams. Um the only bad loss, and I don't even know if you can call it a bad loss when you're going up against the Eastern Conference final finals champion uh, last from last season. When you don't have a point guard because Bowens Highland enters health and safety protocol half an hour before the game starts, and you get waxed by the Boston Celtics. That means he's got the Rona, right? You said it. <laughs> I, I did not say it. I don't think anybody has officially said it but when you enter health and safety protocols the way i've been describing it, that is essentially a synonym uh for covid so um it was a fantastic road trip all things considered the funny thing is before the boston game um we we ended up all leaving uh, well i would say the team left indiana at about mm, two o'clock in the morning on wednesday night because they had some issue with their plane And so the night before their hardest game of the entire road trip, pretty much the night before the hardest game of the entire season, they end up getting to the hotel about five in the morning. Um, We are here to carry water and make excuses. So perhaps that is why uh, the Nuggets got waxed in Boston. You just made an excuse, it sounds like. I was being (laughs) tongue-in-cheek. I was just checking whether you were listening. (laughs) So uh, Thanks for answering that question, Matt. So three and one. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, my my wife just texted me a, a sweet nothing, so I had to. Okay, I had to acknowledge that. That's how it works. I think you know that. Um, so the uh, the Nuggets go three and one on the road. They're now in first place in the Western Conference with Western Powers Portland and Utah. They've played more or less home games than everybody but one team in the entire NBA. They're four and zero at home, by the way. They haven't been beaten. They only played four games in Denver, though. And they're scoring like crazy. So, all that being said, 7-2 and two in the last nine games. 
Well, give me your main observations from the road. Main observations from the road is that um, at least early in the season, they were hemorrhaging points on the road. Uh, that game in Portland was awful. Um, they lost to the Lakers, where the Lakers shot perhaps their best three-point shooting percentage. They will shoot this entire season. Um, and the whole the whole talking point, everything going into this awful stretch, uh, awful schedule-wise stretch, was that could the defense travel? Would the defense show up? Um, in San Antonio, Indiana, uh, Boston, and Chicago. And really what happened in the first two games of the road trip, um, San Antonio and Indiana, uh, both those games flipped once the defense engaged in the third quarter. Um, It started in transition. They started getting stops. They started getting out and running uh, and getting easy baskets, and it yielded. I mean, when you're down 18 in Indiana and Benedict Matherin is, um, you know, putting on a highlight show for his rookie of the year campaign against you. Um, talking smack to Nicola too, by the way. Ta- I mean, there was a couple people who talked smack to Nicola actually this road trip. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, maybe the, who you're thinking of. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It was Tyrese. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Joker switches on to him late in the fourth quarter, and uh, he hits the three. Halliburton says, no, 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 going into timeout. Don't switch. Don't switch. I'm like, Dude, you're talking to a two-time MVP, and you're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Was that after the step back where he might have taken two and a half, maybe three, maybe four steps? Yes, it was. So, um, whatever. People want to talk crap to Joker. That's cool. Um, Nuggets came back from an 18-point deficit, win that game. Um, We we talked about the Boston game. There was a lot going on, uh, meaning Bones is out. Michael Porter is not engaged um, Jamal Murray was off. There, there was just a lot of factors why where you're not going to beat, you know, a, a finals contender with two just rising. I mean, they're not even rising stars. Like those wings, when you when 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 you're Calvin Booth and you are looking to assemble a team, you are looking across the league. You're looking at the Eastern Conference and which wings am I going to have to deal with? I'm going to have to deal with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And Giannis Antetokounmpo potentially in a finals matchup. So would you call Giannis a wing? He's kind of a big. At I this don't know point. what he is, but you're going to have to deal with him if you see him in the finals. No so, doubt about that. So uh, how can you combat that? That's where uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Aaron Gordon, and Bruce Brown come in. Like if you really look at the core of those wins in San Antonio and Indiana. Those were the guys that jump-started it because their defense does not relent. Their defense is is an ever-present part of their game. Um, specifically, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, man. That dude plays so hard, and I, I talked with him uh, two days ago in Chicago during a shoot-around. He is in such a good place. He is in such a happy place. Obviously, when you're shooting 56% from three, you're going to be in a good place, but he is... I, I, you can kind of just get the sense he is overjoyed with the situation he's found himself in coming from Washington, fighting for a playoff spot there. Whereas here, if everything goes well, like everything's on the table. And, and, and that's why Contavious is in such a good place. He talked to me about the environment in Denver. He talked to me about the coaching staff, the trainers, everybody around him in the organization. He told me that they bleed basketball and they all have something to offer. And he just appreciates that perspective. So um, KCP is 
probably living his best basketball life. He's playing his butt off on both ends, um, and he's eating uh, because Joker is uh, is dishing him up. Five for seven in that game against Indy. Three for four from the three-point line. Two steals, two assists, eight rebounds, a little bit of everything. He seems like he is not just an upgrade, but a pretty big upgrade from what they were doing on the wing last year. It's it's honestly, and I didn't, I don't think anybody realized how how big it would be. And yes, it's exacerbated by the fact that KCP is playing as well as he is. But man, his defense, his his energy um, in collecting defensive rebounds, the dude is flying all over the court. He is busting up screens. He is, he, he, I mean, Michael Malone invoked a a hallowed name in these parts uh, when he brought up Gary Harris. Uh, a few games ago and said that they empowered Gary Harris to just do whatever he wanted defensively and essentially play that cornerback role. And that's what KCP does. Um, Gary Harris with a jump shot. Yes. Gary Harris with a jumper and KCP man is just raining him. He is the guy who, I mean, two consecutive games, he hits three threes in the third quarter and he, he breathes life into, into a unit um, where, you know, depending on what night it was, is, is Mike engaged? Is where's Jamal at? And Joker is, um, you know, I don't know that it's passive, but he's he's content to serve people up. Um, so KCP has been a revelation, uh, and I mean the numbers don't lie. The starting unit is is a joke. Like they, I, when they're healthy, I don't know. They're they're probably not a better starting five in the league than these than the five that the Nuggets have. Everybody plays their role to Milwaukee a Milwaukee Bucks got a pretty good starting five. Yeah, which is why, um, you know, and the Celtics obviously. Which is why, wink, wink. Um, I need to start looking at hotel rooms. Let's uh, let's get ahead of ourselves. Uh, I see that you start. I'm dreading looking at hotel rooms in Boston if and when it ever happens in this in the summertime. It is terrifying how expensive those hotel rooms are. By the way, I've only been there once. I got punched in the face. It was a heck of a heck of a visit. I cannot say I recall how hard it was to find a hotel room. Though. That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I definitely thought you were going to say I cannot recall how hard I got punched in the face. I was 22 years old, and and it wasn't that hard. It was it was a local. He thought I was hitting on his girlfriend. Okay, man. I was not. <laughs> we need your wife to text you sweet nothings again. <laughs> Back to basketball. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, against the Chicago Bulls, was on fire, shooting laser beams out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. 31 points. I think he played, what, 25 minutes? Yeah. 31 points in 25 minutes. That's pretty good. That's okay. So that comes after, I would say, a subpar performance. Worst against, game of the year. Against the Boston Celtics. He was yes. not good in that game. And right. he's going up against guys that, those are real deal guys. Right. Um. So So tell me, you know, you talked to him after the game. It seemed like he realized that, that that was, he, he wanted to atone for that in some sort of way. Look, I don't say it lightly. I, I thought that it was maybe the turning point of the year, uh, 12 games into the season, 13 games into the season. Um, two things happened on this road trip. First of all, the San Antonio game where he is genuinely okay not closing the game against the Spurs and celebrating um, his guy Bruce Brown uh, and kind of the defensive clamps that the Nuggets put on San Antonio. He told he, I asked him that after the game, um, and he says, I'm not going to be selfish. We're, we're loaded, and he recognizes that. That is, that is step one. Um, step two is what happened, the, the transformation that happened from Friday to Sunday. 
Um, Michael Porter Jr. says he's dealing with some off-the-court stuff. He told me that. He, he said it in an on-air interview. Um, I know for a fact that he was not thrilled um, that I reported the, the story that, that he had some items stolen from his hotel room in Indianapolis. Um, to his credit, he put that behind him on Sunday. He texted Michael Malone Friday night and said, hey, man, I know I need to be better. That wasn't me. I was dealing with some off-the-court stuff, I, uh, you know, and, I, and I will be better. Um, give, I, I cannot give him enough credit for how he comported himself uh, against the Bulls. And I'm not just talking you know, offensively, where he had, I think, eight or nine points in the first few minutes of the game, which forced Michael Malone to just keep playing him. Normally, he would have staggered him and taken him out at the six-minute mark, put him back in with the second unit. He said, you know what? Uh, MPJ, you got it going. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna do what we typically do, but do it with Jamal instead. Take him out. So Porter starts just cooking. Gotta uh, like that flexibility offensively. I, yeah, I mean, everyone always says Malone is stubborn and rigid, so it's a great point. Um, so uh, Porter just starts going offensively. But what was so impressive about what he did is he defensively was as ga- engaged as I've ever seen him. And I'm talking like anticipating plays coming. I've never, like the knock on Michael Porter is that he's always maybe a half step slow uh, in his rotations and his uh, recognition of what is coming, of what is happening. The dude was a half step ahead of what was happening. Like covering up gaps, covering for people, sliding over and rotating when when other people had, had lost a step on their guy. He was covering up, making um, making it okay for people and, and really just, guarding on a string, um, which is what you always want to hear as a, de- a defense. You can make up so much if you if, if a defense is connected uh, like like they were against Chicago. So it was it was and I wrote this. It was remarkable um, how engaged he was, but that was the only thing to me that stood out. And what is so important about this is that if it is as simple as, telling himself and being engaged and saying, this is a night where I need to be engaged. Obviously that needs to be consistent, but it is within his capability to do that. And if it's within his capability to do that, it takes the nuggets from a, you know, from a a conference final contender to an NBA finals contender. It, when he is, is that locked in. And again, you have no margin for error against the Boston Celtics. So when you're not locked in like that, you're not going to win on the road. Um, but what, what he did Sunday night against Chicago was really, really impressive stuff. And so uh, I go and talk to him in the postgame locker room. Um, I ask him a few questions. I ask him about accountability and look at himself in the mirror, which is a phrase that Michael Malone used to describe Porter um, from Friday to Sunday. And he said, uh, he said to me, he goes, yes, I, I want to grow. Uh, you can't always blame other people. Um, sometimes you're the common denominator and I want to do everything I can to grow. And and I tweeted this out, but I I strongly believe that that was maybe the most significant quote I've ever heard Michael Porter say as a, as a NBA player to, to take accountability like that, to own it. And again, maybe he's not thrilled with me at this point, but to still, to still step up and, and kind of compartmentalize. He, he, he said he channel, he channeled his inner Kobe where you could uh, disassociate the outside noise with what's going on inside and inside those lines. So I could could not be more impressed um, with what Michael Porter did on Sunday. And again, if he can build on that, it, I mean, scary hours for this team. 
Back to the Celtics. Um, they've played them twice. Did you like that monologue? I, I thought, you know, maybe a little hyperbolic, uh, but we're, we're going to roll with it. I mean, in, in what capacity? Uh, the greatest quote he's ever given in his NBA career. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I don't. I, I'm sure you have. I'm just, I don't know. It's in a ter- lot. In terms of self-awareness, yeah. It's on the, it's on the Mount Rushmore, at, at minimum, of, okay. uh, of MPJ quotes. Okay. We're going we're gonna to roll with it. I was just going to let it go. Okay. Um, so the Boston Celtics, I want to get back to this, because this is a team that if they go to the NBA Finals, they might have to play the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. Um, they played them twice in, what, last seven months, six months? I can't It was What was it, March when they played them the last time? And they got creamed right. both times. Right. Is this just a bad matchup for them? And is there anything that they can do to sort of turn that around? Yeah, I mean, when you don't have bones, it really messes up the second unit and it throws everything kind of into chaos. Uh, Bruce Brown can play point guard, but he's not really a traditional point guard. Um, and defensively, they just do a lot of things to confuse you. They have a lot of switchy guys. They Al Horford, you got Grant Williams guarding Joker. Uh, Bruce Brown said he hasn't been guarded by a five in years when he's got like Al Horford matched up on him. So they just confuse people, and, and they move really well, and they pass the balls, and, and, and they're going to expose a defense that is not tight and is not connected. Is that something that gets addressed over the course of a seven-game series a little bit? Like, those problems, this isn't a problem as much because the familiarity begins to... Uh, to uh, Reveal itself. Yeah, and, and, you can, and you can make the adjustments, and all of a sudden it isn't, oh, I have to play Boston on a back-to-back or during this road trip and it's a one-off it's we're ready for this we can deal with this yeah at least they already know what boston does and you want to know what's even uh, a little bit more daunting about that boston matchup is they didn't have uh another guy who was in an all defensive uh a conversation last year in robert williams he was not available, who's a dude who patrols the paint and makes it a lot harder on Joker. So they had Horford and Grant Williams dealing with Joker. Um, you had Marcus Smart at the point of the ta- of attack, Jalen Brown, and uh, Jason Tatum. That is just, that's hard. And I, and I actually thought the Nuggets defended uh, Jason Tatum pretty well. Bruce Brown was in his grill. Um, Jalen Brown ended up shooting like, he, he was 10 of 10 for his first 10 shots. The dude was on fire. Um, I think that's the problem with them is that one of them, is probably going to play well. And, and to have two wings capable of guarding those two players is not easy. Yeah, and, and, and Bruce Brown and KCP aren't going to come close to matching them offensively. So, you know, what if you're not getting a night from Jamal Joker and MPJ, how can you, how can you combat that? Um, so, th- I mean, there was a lot of problems with that, with that Boston game. Um, and you, I don't not, you know, it's, we're so many months away. Right. Would they be underdogs? Maybe because from recent history, it hasn't gone well. But like, you know, you say that the Celtics weren't at full strength. Neither were the Nuggets. No Bones Highland. Jamal Murray's not not right. Michael Porter was wherever Michael Porter was, and it's like, you know, you can we can make excuses for the Nuggets too. So, look, let's check in when um when I'm searching for Boston hotel prices in June. Okay. Okay. All right, I may not, or I may or may not join you for that. I don't know. Uh, let's avoid uh, hitting on anybody's girlfriends. <laughs> I was not. It wasn't. That wasn't happening. I'm telling you. Uh, all right. So next thing, Zeke Naji. 
is this guy going to play? Are, are are we going to see him on the court, or is is this just the way of things? We're going to this second unit has now uh, solidified, and this is where we're going. It's it's maybe the most confounding um, storyline. Uh, Twelve, I'm an idiot. Thirteen games into the season, I don't really know why Zeke's not playing. He had the rolled ankle. Um, I think it was in Indiana. He rolled it, and. Uh, you know, he, he was starting to play well, and it was just like, I, I don't, and now he's healthy. He, he's been playing garbage time again. I don't know what the justification is for DeAndre Jordan. Maybe he, maybe Michael Malone likes the synergy between DJ, <coughs> Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, three guys who played together in the Brooklyn Nets. Um, maybe he likes the, the, the friendship that, that Jeff Green and DJ have. I mean, but, but, and that's an assumption, and it's and it's a garbage assumption if it is one, because you can't be justifying playing time via friendship. Uh, Michael Malone loves to say this is not personal. Zeke Naji was the talk of preseason, and we've barely seen him. So I, I really don't know. If only um you know the local reporters uh, tasked with asking those questions uh, would do their damn jobs. Uh, maybe we'd have a better answer, but. I, do, I, do, I will say I don't think that this is going to be the case um, indefinitely. I do think something's going to give. Um, maybe maybe the second unit just becomes a, a little bit too leaky. Maybe somebody gets hurt. I mean, with Zeke's versatility, it, Zeke can fill in at the four or the five. Right. He could be in the Jeff Green role. He could be in the role for DeAndre. Yes. And, I mean, Michael Malone said, on the record, we have two backup fives. Um up until this point, they've got one backup five and a a third year guy who, you know, ostensibly made all these gains, but we haven't they haven't manifested on the court for whatever reason. Have you sensed any frustration from Zeke about the fact that he hasn't been on the court? I haven't. I, I haven't, and I pay close attention to body language. Um, and I haven't. That's not to say there isn't. Zeke is a. I mean. He's tw- it's 12 games into a season after he, he made mo- significant strides and, and put on a lot of muscle, added more to his game, became more physical, um, all that stuff. So to me, it's, it's too early um, to be you know feeling any type of way if I'm Zeke. That being said, uh, if I am an agent or a, uh, have, a, have a vested interest, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm mildly peeved. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, is something going to give? Um, because I, can, I promise you, agents pay close attention to this stuff. Um, and uh, if local reporters are patient with their questioning, um, I don't think agents are. So, uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. But I just think, I wish I had a better answer. Yeah, uh, but, but I don't think this is going to be indefinite. And. I mean, for him personally, this is kind of the year to do it, right? I mean, if he's going to get the next contract. Well, yeah, you need to know what you have in him before you, you know, he, he's going into his fourth season. Right. This will Next year will be his fourth year. Do you give him uh, an early extension or not? How can you know the answer to that? So um, I don't know what's – I wish I had a better answer on Zeke. Uh, but, yes, this is when you would – this is when you would – here's the other thing. If – Let's just say if they were looking to upgrade in some capacity, Zeke Naji might be your best trade bait. 
However, nobody's seen him play. Nobody has seen him play. So how can you accurately gauge what he's worth? Or get the most for him. Any and all of the above. So there's a few tentacles to pull on with with the Zeke uh, question mark. Um, He's healthy now, so... You know, and again, maybe in maybe you thought in a crunch schedule on the road, you he, he might get some run. Um, didn't happen, so it's something to monitor. I you know I wish I had more insight on it, uh, but to to your question, I do not get the sense that he is frustrated yet. Um, maybe something changes, and obviously we'll circle back at that point. All right, that seems like a good place to stop for a second and take a break. We'll come back, and we've got a lot of questions from listeners. On Mike's Twitter account. We'll dig into those next. The Nuggets Inc. podcast is presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche, and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and yes, even Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. Vaca also offers dedicated channels for college athletics in Colorado, including CSU, DU, Northern Colorado, and Metro State. As one Twitter user aptly said, it's like the Netflix of Colorado sports. There are no contracts, and subscribers can pause or cancel at any time. Sign up at avaca.tv. And we are back here at uh, the Schubert Abode in Lincoln Park, Denver, Colorado. Cold day outside, I'd say. But we got some listener questions. Mike uh, sent the word out on Twitter, and uh, because uh, you're all lovely people, uh, you responded with several. We are not going to be able to get to all of them because many of them are about a thing we've already talked about, Zeke Naji. Clearly, everybody wants to know about Zeke Naji. It's a hot-button issue. I get it. And again... Uh, if only the damn beat writers would do their job. Yeah, right. It's uh, and you know Najee by nature uh, leads this charge. Leads the charge here with the questions. Uh, Najee, uh, I, I hope you are satisfied with the answers that we gave prior to uh, getting these questions. If not, you can always hit me up on Twitter. So first one here. This is from Greg Gershenson. Gershenson, right? That sounds seems about right. I'd like to know if we have a realistic chance of bringing back Bruce Brown next season. What's the most we can offer him next season? That's a good question. It's a great question. Um, Thank you, Greg Gregerson. It's a great question because, look, I'm just going to say some conversations I've had with other people around the league um, were kind of dumbfounded that Bruce Brown was still available uh, late, I mean, quasi late into free agency. I think it was the second day when um, the Nuggets ended up picking him picking him up. Um, and it was kind of the, a type of thing where I think Michael Malone looked at it and, and Calvin Booth was like, yeah, obviously Calvin was on top of it, but Michael Malone, I don't think, realized that Bruce Brown was still available. Um, and so, you know, they, they get on board and it's like, let's let's jump at this guy um, who was a an invaluable... Man, how bad do the Nets wish that they had kept Bruce Brown? Like I, I'm perplexed why they didn't. I, I mean, I, you know, who knows it, what's going on? It with seems that organization. like a, it seems like a well-run, stable organization. So <laughs> I, I'm sure they, um, I'm sure it was just a slight oversight. Uh, but to get him for for six point four million, uh, a player option uh, after this season, is a 
is a steal. Um, and so I think that there were people looking around the league at the number that the Nuggets got him at and saying, wow, um, oops, is that, I mean, that is an incredible team-friendly deal. Can I break some news here? Please. I do not believe that he will be exercising that option after this season. Right. So um, with how well he's played, with how good of a fit he has been with Nikola Jokic, um, and just, I mean, the defensive versatility, the motor, like, here's a, here's a fun game. When you're watching Bruce Brown play defense, watch how he slips around screens. He once said he has little tricks that he does to get around screens. He, like, will kick his, like, front leg out and just do a little hip slide over the screen, and he rarely gets pinned. It's, it, I mean, kind of an art form, how, how Bruce navigates that. Not easy to do. Not easy to do. Um, and... Look, I love I love his attitude. I love how he plays. Malone says that he carries himself like a ten year vet as a five year pro. Um, Matt, I don't think you are off. I think that there is very little chance that he uh, ends up picking up that player option, meaning that the Nuggets are going to have to come with it. Um, I think somewhere in the in the eight eight and a half million dollar range. I was going to ask what you think his floor is. Does it start at eight? You think? Yeah, and let's be honest. I think he can get more than that. Um, on the open market. I could see 10 pretty easily. Right. So they might have a difficult time keeping him. Um, he has been a a, a perfect fit uh, for them, and it might have been too good of a fit, uh, to be honest with you, for that number. And so, you know, again, an, an outstanding question because looking ahead, you always want to know what the tea leaves are. Um, Bruce probably warranted a better deal than he got and he still warrants a better deal than he got. I think the craziest thing about it is that wing defenders who have, you know, at least some shooting competency are really valuable. Like you need those players. You want to know what the pitch is? Come to Denver where our superstar is indifferent about scoring points and will get you fed and get you paid. That's the pitch. Whether Bruce Brown is back or not, you're going to eat. You're going to eat. Uh, you're going to eat off the buffet. You're going to eat every meal you want. Just as long as you cut hard and play hard and, you know, have a high basketball IQ, um, come here to thrive. And our superstar does not care. And he will get you yours. Does that suggest that the Nuggets will have a chance of just sort of having an assembly line every offseason of undervalued wings that they can bring in here who want to get a payday, you know, say, I'm going to play here for a year. I'm going to get fed by Joker. And then I'm going to go somewhere else to get a big. Contract. I don't know, man. Jeremy Grant didn't buy it. Um, you know, Tory Craig went elsewhere and I know those are two different caliber players. I, I also don't know if it's, I mean, it's not the same situation. Uh, the first guy you mentioned had already been playing here and already been getting fed by Jokic. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, Again, have a little bit of foresight. Paul Millsap ain't going to be here for forever. You are going to Oh, be... I'm not saying he didn't make the right decision. Right, right, right. But, like, that is that is what their pitch has been for a while. Uh, Joker sets the tone. It trickles down to everybody, and nobody cares. I mean, DeAndre and Jeff have talked about this a lot, how unselfish and special this team is. Um, I mean, I, I, I've even seen Michael Porter play like seriously unselfish basketball where he can take a contested three, which he has done That's before a backhanded compliment. I mean, we're talking about growth, growth. And, um, he, 
like there are instances where he'll have an opportunity, he'll have a window, but rather than taking it, he'll kick it to Joker and then he'll cut. And Joker will loft a, a, a buttery pass into his into his hands and he'll just finish it. That give and go in Chicago was special. Um, and, and so when I talk about this unselfish nature permeating this team, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I've seen it in, I've seen it in, in MPJ. Obviously it's in Joker. Uh, KCP knows you move and you will like you cut hard and Joker will try. He Aaron will make, Gordon. Oh my God. There, I mean, here's, they haven't even talked about Aaron Gordon. He's been playing fantastic. Here, the, the, the best stat that's going to come out of this season I'm telling you this. It's not going to be maybe Joker get. I mean, maybe a three-time MVP would trump it. That being said, yeah, there are going to be so many career highs across the board in that starting lineup um, as a result of of this dude. Like the, people are just. I mean, when you throw double teams at him, he 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 picks you apart. He he recognizes mismatches. He honestly like canvases the court. And can spot mismatches even when he's worrying about who's ever defending him. He knows that there's something going on in a different part of the of the court and will expose it. The, like the way that he manipulates the game, I don't think people appreciate it. Um, you really need to watch and watch it consistently to see the tricks that this dude plays on defenses because it is an art form. And I know 14 assists the other night, man. There were so many more that he was responsible for um, in terms of just setting guys up uh, like two passes away or, 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 or finding a mismatch and throwing the ball to the area. And then a, a guy drives and takes advantage of Joker's passing. So I realized the question was about Bruce Brown and I can't help, but go on a tangent about the Joker. Next question. Donnie O'Neill. He wants to know, Mike, what's the time frame for Jamal Murray to be Jamal Murray again? Christmas. To which our man Najee by nature replies, "You not been watching? What do people want from Jamal? Seems like, like he's pretty good. Like, I mean, Jamal, Jamal is in his last six games he's averaging eighteen and a half points. Yes, his shooting percentage is down forty six percent, only thirty six percent from three. He had a ten assist game against Boston. What do, what do you think? What do you think his shooting percentage should be from three? Does he have to be at forty? Because I don't think he does. I, I mean, think thirty eight to thirty nine is fine. Get it up, get it up to thirty eight percent. But like when I was just talking about the amount of career highs, KCP shooting fifty six percent from three, MPJ shooting forty nine percent from three, uh, Bones Highland shooting fifty percent from three. Um, Jamal's like it's like a it's like a the tide lifts all boats type thing. One guy's open, so there's more attention paid on this guy. Well, this, and this guy's a little bit more open. Jamal's shooting percentage is going to go up. Um, the, the, and the, he's drawing some of that gravity, too. The he's funny, pulling the, some of those the, guys around. The funny one is, like, on floaters. His his touch just really isn't there um, in, in, like, the mid-range stuff. Actually, his mid-range jumper's pretty good, but on floaters, he, he, he's, he is still searching for it. But what I I love to see when Jamal is in the post, because he, he fancies himself... He's like a he's kind of got a little small man complex where he he likes to be in the post and he likes to maneuver and he, he thick. I don't know if you know that. Yes. Um well, who who's really thick between uh Joker and uh and Jamal Murray? Uh anybody who paid who paid attention to the Nuggets um this past road trip, we are in San Antonio and I asked Jamal Murray, I go, uh Jamal, how do you feel about uh, the nickname Peanut Butter and Jelly? And he goes, am I jelly? And I said, you know, Malone didn't specify. And 
Joker standing right there, and I say, uh, Joker, how do you feel about peanut butter and jelly? And he goes, which one am I? Jamal interjects. He goes, Joker, you got to be peanut butter because you're thick. <laughs> Can we have a peanut butter on peanut butter sandwich because they're I, both thick? I will. Hey, listen, for a guard, dude, big. He's big. Um, Strong. He's smart in the post. He started to – it's interesting because Jamal is one of the – He's one of the few breakdown players in the team, so it it you know I'm not saying that Jamal shouldn't do this by any means, but he's like he's one of the guys that can go hunting for his shot on his own and, and carving through the trees and looking for his shot. Um, maybe it's it's aided a little bit by a Joker screen, but Jamal is one of the few guys who can who can get it himself. Um, and and you're starting to see it. In addition to the assists, in addition to the physicality, the defense is um, it, it's it's nudging up in terms of his comfort. I've seen him like. Look, the, the way you know that he's getting more comfortable is because his rebounding numbers are starting to uh, crop up a little bit. You know, he told me, he was like, when I when I was still you know tr- figuring out how to trust my knee, it was the, the rebounds and in the paint, and I didn't feel necessarily comfortable jumping. Dude's jumping. Dude's, like, competing. Um, so, I don't know. Christmas, what do you want? The team is, like a top three offensive team on a hey, number listen, of fronts in, in Donnie's defense. It is fun to see superstar Jamal Murray games, you know, when he's going off for 40 points, we, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen one of those. Um, I'm going to tear apart the Boston Celtics. You know, I'm going to go off for 40, 50 on the Utah jazz. So we're waiting on that. We're still waiting on that. Uh, low bar to clear uh, Jamal. <laughs> Go bubble Jamal and go make history, Jamal. You can't do that after 18 months away and only 12 games back. He just wants to know when that's going to happen, Mike. That's all he's asking. We're paying this guy max money? Yes. I'm just kidding. All right. So, you know, you brought up something. Uh, You mentioned the floaters. Is there a more automatic two points in the NBA than a Nikola Jokic six-foot floater? I think I know where this is going. This guy, if he gets the ball in the paint within eight feet of of the basket... You know, on one of those rolls, it'll be a roll with him and Jamal, and he just gets a shot at that floater. It's going in. Almost every time it's going in. Share your ongoing thesis, Matt. Well, I I wouldn't say it's a thesis. I just think a guy who's shooting 60% from the floor maybe should shoot it a little bit more. That might be an indication that you're a really good scorer, and we like it when you shoot. I'm not saying it isn't great that the ball is being shared, because it is, as you have brought up multiple times already in this podcast, everybody's shooting career highs. People are getting wide open looks. This seems to be working. The offense is one of the best, if not the best in the NBA. So yes, all true. However, Nikola Jokic can put that ball in the hoop. Oh my God. I mean, man, you give him a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. The dude has won two straight MVPs. That's yeah, great. He just carried the Nuggets for 24 months or whatever many months there was in our COVID-condensed world. I'm just saying. I'm just more saying. More than six shots in a game. Is that, am I really asking a lot, Mike? Am I? Plus 29. <laughs> plus 29. Would you like me to go look up another box score with another guy that had plus 29? Because I'm sure I can find it. But, like. To, to 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 criticize. I'm not criticizing. This is not. This isn't criticizing. We, we want him to shoot more. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe. I'm just. I'm just saying floating maybe out the possibility. Maybe sounds like a light critique for a dude who has 14 assists. Oh, listen. Uh, I know. I know Nuggets Twitter well enough to know you do not 
critique Nikola Jokic. You do not say anything bad about Nikola Jokic. I know that. I'm not saying anything bad about Nikola Jokic. Wonderful passer. Having a fantastic season. Just, I don't know, two or three more shots a game. That's all I'm saying. What's funny is that while we are hyper-focused on the four shots he took in Chicago, in the three preceding games, also on the road trip, he took 20 shots in every single one of them. That's what I want to see. I like that. Oh, my God. I like Nikola Jokic shooting because he's a good shooter. Mm. Yes. And he's also a an elite passer. Yes. And he's elite at both. He can't help but play the game. Would you say that game. he's elite at both? Of course, but he can't help but play the game the right way. So if, if he gets double teamed or if he spots an advantage, he's going to take it. He doesn't care about scoring. He's he Right now, uh, he is at 13.1 shots per game for the season which would be the third lowest number of his career, the the first two being his first two years in the NBA. Cool. This is what we expected to happen when you get two more max players back and you add a lot of talent like they did in the offseason. Like, it would be doing a disservice to the additions or to Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray's returns. What if Joker's taking a bunch of shots and Jamal's not getting the shots that he wanted? And it's I'm not, I'm not asking for a bunch of shots here, Mike. I'm only asking for two or three more a game. To be at the same level you were, uh, excuse me, two years ago when you had all those guys. And you won your first MVP, and maybe Joker just doesn't... Maybe what I really think happens is that when Joker played and and won the MVP the two years, I think he played a style that he didn't like to play. He yep. was forced to play before. that. So when when not compelled or forced to do so, he's not going to. Um, much to your chagrin. Uh, listen, <laughs> I, let's let's not overstate this. I know I know this is the hyperbolic Nuggets Inc. podcast, but. Let's overstate. I, all I'm all I'm saying is is maybe just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I'll, I'm not saying anything's bad. Nikola Jokic is playing fantastic. Nikola Jokic is going to be All NBA again. I am loving what I'm seeing from Nikola Jokic, except maybe one or two more shots a game. I don't want to ever see a game where he only shoots up four or six times. I'm gonna. I preface, don't want that to happen. I'm gonna preface my next question to him saying, "My boss thinks you need to shoot a little bit more." <laughs> How do you how do you feel about shooting a little bit more now that you have all this help around you? Where's your boss? Where, that's what he's gonna say. Bring your boss to me. Okay, I will happily talk to Nicole if you would like to have a discussion. All right, and say Nicole, you're amazing. Maybe a few more shots. All right, next question. And let's let's also uh, offer the caveat that was a Matt question that uh, he baked in there. That's correct. Because it was because it was uh, gnawing at him. You are correct. No lies. That happened. Okay. Keep going. All right. Next. Okay. We're going to Brown. Our man Brown. Oh, yeah. Which Brown? We've already discussed one Brown. The law firm of Brown and Brown? No, it's Christian. Okay. Our man. Best mom in the NBA. Christian Brown (laughs) found himself back in the lineup for Boston and stayed there for Chicago. Is his role... Matchup dependent, or is Malone working him back into regular minutes? And who asked that question? That would be Josh Stamps. My guy. At CU Stamps. I love it. Um, the thing with... Great uh, question, by the The thing with Christian is that because he's a rookie, uh, Malone has a little bit of leeway with him in that he doesn't need to be consistent. 
um, in that he doesn't need to. He can he can play him one night and, and yank him another night. Um, I think Christian is when they are depleted or when one of the nine or ten guys of the regulars is is out or hurt or tweaked something or is in COVID protocol or whatever. He is the first guy. Um, and what's funny is I'm not even con- like he he's probably higher than the 11th guy in the rotation um, or should be um, meaning higher skill wise. No, no, no. Just higher in the depth chart. Okay. Um, I think he should be. So um, I, I don't know what, how Malone intends to use him, but I do know that Malone trusts him. Um, he's been the sixth man before he's, he's come off. He's always guarded. Like he was guarding uh, Zach Levine. He was guarding Tatum. Like there is so much trust that Malone has in this, in this dude. And it's because he plays the game so hard. There is never a question of effort. Um, and I mean, you watch him, he's the first one down the floor. He, uh, you know, off a defensive stop, he's hustling cause he knows he can, he can get points in transition. Um, when he gets the ball in the corner, he attacks closeouts hard and he drives hard at the rim. Um, he's, he's a fearless, like six foot 10 dude. He is, I mean, he's not thick. He is just built. He's not six foot 10 though. No, he's, did I say six foot 10? Yes. My bad. He's my bad. I think he's six foot seven. That's yeah, what I intended yeah, six, to seven. say. Um, and, and, and he just plays, he's a smart player. Um, and he just, I've said it before. I think he's kind of just like the sand that fills in the, the gaps. Um, and, and I think Malone values that a ton. So I don't know how consistent it's going to be. Um, he's clearly higher in the rotation than Davon Reed. Uh, I think he matches well. He, he, you kind of have like a, he's kind of a quasi, if you put Bruce Brown and KCP together, um, at, you know, guarding your lead defenders, maybe in the reserve unit, you have Bruce Brown and, um, and Christian Brown, uh, to kind of do that duty, um, on a, on a secondary level. So there's just a lot of two-way confidence in Christian. Um, still raw, still, but like can hit open threes, plays with confidence. Like there's so much to like about him. And I will say scouts around the league were skeptical. Um, but scouts around the league also trust Calvin Booth a lot in terms of his player evaluation. And I think people have already come around on him. What do you think his ceiling is? Does he ever get to the point where he's like a, in the running for like all defense or something like that? Or is, or is it a little below that? Probably a little below that. I mean, I'm, I, I really like my comparison before my Josh Hart comparison. I think that that is apt. Um, he just plays hard. He's a, a solid contributor, like a pros pro, a pros pro. But you also think about like Calvin Booth always talks about who are the type of guys that you can end up recruiting in free agency or via trade. And, you know, you look at these prototypes of six, seven, six, eight guys. This is who guys always are trying to get in the league. It's always, you know, they're always the top, you know, most coveted guys on the trade market. And the Nuggets just drafted two of them. They drafted Christian Brown. They drafted Peyton Watson, who's killing it thus far uh, in the G League. And, you know, Calvin really, really appreciated Peyton Watson's skill set. Um and thought that he could develop, but he also thought that he wasn't going to be able to get a guy like him in free agency, a six, eight guy who could, I mean, like, you know, the Nuggets missed on OG Ananobi in whatever draft it was. I think it was 2017. Tim Connolly always says that was one of his biggest regrets is he messed up. And I can't even imagine what this team would look like with OG right now. So, um, there is a prototype of, of the type of player that they are trying to bring in here in, in Bruce, in KCP, in Christian and in Peyton. You have to be two-way guys. You can't be liabilities on defense, and you have to play hard, and you have to be able to shoot. Um, 
And, you know, thus far, uh, you know, 7% of the way through the regular season, Calvin Booth's in the running for one of the top executives uh, so far this year. Related question. Hyperbolic podcast (laughs) 3.0. Related question. Kid Dangerous. Kid Dangerous at Kid Dangerous LA wants to know. With how well Peyton Watson is playing in the G League, is there any way he could play his way into the end of the bench rotation sometime this year? So are we talking about two rookies in the rotation on a deep? Seems like that's what Kid Dangerous is talking about. On a really, really deep team? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I hate to be a uh, buzzkill, but I just, I mean, that's, look, you know, the, the, the rookie champions are parading in the streets that Christian Brown is, uh, is getting some run. Um, to expect that there might be two is a tough ask, um, unless there's some significant injury that you, know, you can't account for. But, and it's not like they're, not, they're, they're pretty well stocked at the 3-4. At the yeah, I think that's one of the big differences, isn't it, for this team? Definitely is. Um, you know, will Vlatko ever get a chance? Poor Vlatko. I, I, I don't. I don't see it. Will, will Davon be a staple? Um, not. Not when Christian Brown is doing his thing. I think it's a health thing at that point, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Zeke's healthy and can't get on the floor. Like, there's a lot of, like, I, I think people are starting to realize what we were saying um, on earlier episodes, how deep this team is. Uh, and, and like, if they stay healthy, they're they're. I mean. I don't even know if we've said it publicly, but their basement, in my opinion, if they stay healthy, is the second or third round of the playoffs. Oh, I think pretty much any Nuggets fan would expect a second round uh, right. visit. Right, and, and if they didn't get to, if they didn't get out of the second round, depending on the matchup, it might be disappointing, if healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's second round, it's always matchup dependent, I think, at that point, right? It, who are you running into? Yeah. What are the circumstances with health? You know, all that stuff. Right. Right, right, right. So, um, I mean, this road trip was illuminating. Um, it was, it's, it's fun because we're in Chicago and there's, um, I mean, a, a huge Serbian population. There was a Serbian folklore dance before the game. Uh, and it's funny because uh, opposing teams try to pe- match up their Serbian nights with when Joker <laughs> comes to town. But Joker. Do multiple teams have Serbian nights? Uh, they sure do. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure Cleveland had a Serbian night and I think Milwaukee had a Serbian heritage night too. Um, and it's like, I don't think Joker cares and it's not because he's not very proud of where he comes from and all this stuff. It's like the extra stuff. He is not here for the extra stuff. He does not care about, you know, all the, uh, all the accompaniments of being an NBA star. Um, so, you know, getting to the Chicago thing, I'm in the post-game locker room in, in Chicago, and there are five Serbian media members. Um, interview is strictly in, in Serbian. Uh, there is, I cannot get a word in, nor do I care to get a word in. I am mostly just at awe, in awe of the whole presentation, the whole setup and everything. Um, I go over to Vlatko, who's um, Slovenian, and I say, Vlatko, what's a, what's a phrase uh, that I can drop in there? Um, I did know Valabrate, which I think is thank you, brother. So I told Joker that, and he reciprocated. He was like, yeah, 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 get away from me. <laughs> um, and then Vlaco told me some uh, – thankfully, I knew that Vlaco has a little bit of – has a little bit of sneak to him. So he, he gives me a very derogatory term. I don't know what it was and nor will I be repeating said term. Um, but I told Joker this and he looks at me. He's like, no, 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 Mike, <laughs> don't say that. 
and then he heads off to the shower. So that was my um, foray into Serbian. All right. We're going to have one last question before we sign off here. Okay. It's, it's one of three from DenverDog.find, at uh, Colorado Dog on Twitter. Why did the NBA give a team bringing a long, bringing a, I think he means bringing along, bringing along two players coming off long injuries, so many road games to start the year? Why did they do that, Mike? Because they wanted to kill the beat writer. That's why. <laughs> um, they've had an awful, awful schedule to start. And yet, look at where they are. First place. Nine and four, first place, only four home games this year. Um, they're at home Wednesday against New York. Then they do this series against Dallas Friday and Sunday. And you know a schedule has been awful when a road series is a reprieve. When you have two games in Dallas and you get to stay in the same hotel room, I mean, that's going to be four consecutive nights in one hotel room. It's not akin to your home, but it's your second home. Dallas will be our second home um, in, uh, in, in a, a couple days. It has just been grueling. So you do Dallas and you come home for one more game. You got Oklahoma at Oklahoma City, at L.A. Then you have your own series against Houston. You're back out on the road again for three and four uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, at home against Dallas, and at Portland again. And finally, December 10th, we're, we're three and a half weeks away from December 10th, is when you really hit a, a home stretch where you can, you know, uh, kick your legs up and reacquaint yourself with your bed because it is insane. And your family. And your family. I mean, on, on when Ish came on the podcast, he, he said... Um, he said, Mike, I'm going to get to know you way more than I see my family this year. And it's true. Like, this is a, a traveling unit. Uh, and they do become, I mean, they're essentially your friends, your teammates, your brothers, your, your, your people you hang out with. They're your road family. Um, and, and, you know, I was thinking about kind of in the context of the team, the Nuggets fans are going to get to see the best version of Jamal when he gets his legs under him. Now is the test case. Now is he's, he's, he's kind of experimenting and trying to get right. Um, this second half of the year, when they are jockeying for position and, and fighting for seeds, they're going to be at home. It gets so much easier. I, I mean, I've got 20% more gray hair as a result of the first 13 days, 13 games, um, than I would have anyway. I, I butcher that, but you, you feel me. <laughs> I get more gray hair, I believe. Is more gray hair uh, correlates to more road <laughs> games. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been really hard. And I'm sure uh, the NBA was super concerned about, um, like, you know, it didn't even cross their minds, two guys coming back off serious injuries, giving them early road games. This is not how – if they took that into account, um, they wouldn't be able to make a schedule. Uh, the Nuggets got the short end of the stick, and they're making do. Uh, give credit to a team that hasn't made any excuses, is resilient, um, and is only getting better. All right, next game, New York Knicks. 8 p.m. tip. What the heck is that? 8 p.m. tip against an East Coast team at home. Are we just saying kids don't care about the Nuggets? Is that what we're saying now? Man, at, like, we had an 8.30 tip in San Antonio because the NBA staggered every single game that night because voting was the next day. An 8.30 local tip. Ridiculous. Horrible. Why? It, no, no, there's no legitimate reason to do that. Because they're trying to kill the beat writers. That's well, why. So New York, then we got two in Dallas. Um, 
Mike, look forward to see what happens there. Thanks for joining us. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, and, and to all of the people who uh, submitted questions on Twitter, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I'm sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing this as we have been all season, every week. We'll be asking you for questions. You send them our way. Hopefully we get to them. So, Mike Singer, have fun with New York. Have fun in a whole weekend in Dallas. Oh, man. Sounds like a hoot. Dangerous. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, man. Welcome to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and Rockies games anywhere via their phone, tablets, or laptops. They also have new interactive features with their games with live-time stats, real-time data. you got to check it out. we got a good podcast coming up ahead. Mike Singer takes your questions off of Twitter. We talk about a three-in-one road trip. They lost to the Celtics, but they beat that butt on a couple of other games. Nikola Jokic, more shots? We debate. All that coming up next.